We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. You probably didn't expect to hear this, a heavy question or statement. Maybe you've brought shame on your family. You really messed up, and it didn't just hurt your reputation. It really hurt the way people look at your family, and it's created broken relationships in your family. If that's true for you, that has to hurt really deeply. And I want to encourage you. There's one family where there is no shame. And if you know and trust Jesus, you're in this family. Hebrews 2.11 says, The one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus is God, Mm -hmm. but he's also completely human. He shares our flesh and blood. And though he knows everything about me and you, he's not ashamed of us. I have done things that have brought shame to God's family. Every time I've fallen into sin and brought shame on God's family, You know, every time I've fallen into sin, I have brought shame on God's family and on my own for that matter. But listen again. The one who makes people holy, that's Jesus. He makes us holy. And those who are being made holy, that's you and me, are of the same family. Jesus has made us clean and pure through his sacrifice on the cross. Completely clean and pure as the driven snow. He took our shameful sins on himself to make us pure. And when he looks at you, his heart swells with joy. And he says, my brother, my sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's never never been a time that Jesus didn't love you, didn't want you, that God didn't embrace us for who we are, right? But we are... We're the ones who tend to cause the problem because of the shame that you're talking about. We carry shame from from the decisions that we've made and things that are a part of our past and a part of our story that we would write differently if we had the option to write it over again. I recently re-apologized, you know, for, you know, for something that my kids endured that I just wish I had the opportunity to go back and do it differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and my kids graciously said, Mom, no need to apologize again. You've already apologized for that. But sometimes guilt and shame just eats at you, you know, and it comes back and and it feels fresh all over again. You know, even if you've confessed your sins and been honest with the Lord about it, you know that he's forgiven us. He's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. But sometimes we're the ones who think, you know, I don't belong in this family. Yeah. But Jesus never feels that way. Shame is really sticky. It stays with us. Those feelings and those feelings, you know, just are really, for me, they're echoes of an old identity, mm. you know, because shame has, has been with me throughout my whole life. And I now know the message of shame. Shame says, you know, what you've done is who you are and it's who you always be. Right. And there is no hope for you. Now, I know that's not true. I know that's not true, but I still have the feelings. But now I know my identity. I'm loved by God. But I still deal with those feelings because I'm human. And, you know, we just need to be accepting of one another, you know, with, with our shameful deeds. When somebody close to me fails and blows it big time and they share that with me, just happened the other day. 
you know, I like to say to them when I think of it, and I've done this, I'm not ashamed to call you my brother. I'm not ashamed to call you my sister. And we should be that for one another because that's who Jesus is to us. There is no shame in God's family because Jesus took our shame on himself. You may feel ashamed of yourself, but hear Jesus saying to you, my beloved brother, my beloved sister. So when you came back from break, Perry, you confessed that you were feeling really overwhelmed before break. Yes. Same. Mm-hmm. Same. Okay, so before the holidays hit, I was really overwhelmed. I was stressed out, to be honest. And some stress can be good. Stress can be a good thing. This was not the good kind. This was the bad kind, and I did not like it. I felt a pressure like everything was on my shoulders, and it was not fun. So it's kind of like this is what I imagined in my head. I felt like I had all these plates spinning, and they were about to fall, and I was the only one that could keep that from happening. So I would run over to one plate and I'd give it a spin only to see that there was another plate, you know, over there that was like wobbling hard and was going to crash. And if I didn't get to it and give it a spin, you know, everything was going to come crashing down. And I was so overwhelmed and exhausted, but I knew that the holidays were coming. So I was like, okay, I just need to keep going. I just need to get, you know, there and then I'll be okay. And you know what I did on my very first full day off that first Monday of break, I got sick. I got so sick. And I think it's because the minute I was able to relax and just kind of get caught up, caught up on rest and whatnot, like my body started protesting, like, stop, I cannot keep doing this for you. So I ended up being in bed for two days. And this was the week before Christmas. Mind you, I had so much to do the week before Christmas. I had stockings, stuffers to buy. I had Christmas shopping to wrap up. I had grocery shopping to do. We had kids coming from Australia. You know, I was going to be making meals. Like when my kids come home, I I probably overfeed them, but it brings my heart joy. They don't mind. They don't mind. I don't mind. It works for everybody. So anyway. Yeah. So what, what was the sickness, the illness you had? Oh my gosh. I had a fever. I had the chills. I had um, headache, incredible headache on the back of my head. Like all the things. I did take a COVID test and it was negative, but I was miserable. So the two days in bed weren't really relaxing for you? No, no. They were like shivering. But they, but they did stop Achy your body aches. They did stop your body. <laughs> it made me stop. It made me lay down and not do anything else. But I read this quote the other day and it kind of brought me back to, you know, a month ago. <laughs> it said this, fear arises when we imagine everything depends on us. And fear is what kept me running and kept me spinning all those plates. It was a fear that I had to do everything. I had to keep everything moving, which I realized was actually pride in disguise. You know, because pride says, it's all on me. You know, let me let me reveal my cape. Right. <laughs> you know, reveal the S on my chest Superwoman, or whatever. Superman. Yeah. And I think, you know, pride says... It's all on you, Shawnee. You got to make it happen. And if you don't, everything's going to just fall apart. And I can completely relate with this because this is the American way of life. This is the American way of life. And and so I'm not throwing any shade on you, but I have a question to ask you. Sure. Do you get a Sabbath? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do get a Sabbath. So you have a day where everything stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm not cleaning. I'm not, you know 
taking care of tasks, this, that, and the other. And I'm not so. talking about, you know, legalism. Sure. But I think there is definitely a rhythm and a reason God calls us to rest for at least one day a week. Mm-hmm. I needed three weeks recently. Yeah. And I took the three weeks and it has really renewed me and caused me to rethink my busy, busy life. Yeah. I had to be healed of my busyness. I had to be healed of my pride. <laughs> well, same. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, pride says it's all on me, but humility says it's not on me. I'm not God. But yes, I agree. You needed to be healed of your pride. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Thank you for the affirmation. Yeah, I and, you know, humility says I don't have to be afraid of everything falling apart. I can call on God. I can trust him to be God and I don't have to be. And Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is right here with you right now. Do not fear. Let God be God. Just take him by the hand. He's got this. When I was doing conditioning for basketball my freshman year at Olivet College, our team did a five-mile run. First time I had ever run five miles. Toward the back end of that run, I remember right where I was. I was running next to Randy Morrison, and I hit the wall. I had absolutely no idea how I was going to finish. No idea. God helped me finish. I'm sure I cried out, God, help And God was teaching me a lesson. There's going to be times in life when you feel like there's no way you're going to make it. So I'm guessing you just kept putting one foot in front of the other, right? That's that's exactly what I did. And I don't even remember finishing. I just remember that moment. Like, I have never felt this before. And I have felt it many times since in life in other situations. Jesus had those moments when he wondered if he'd finish his race. Hebrews 3.1 says, Because Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus had a race to run, mm. and it was not easy. He was fully human. He shared in our flesh and blood, and he had those moments when he hit the wall. Jesus suffered and was tempted when he walked this earth. He had to cry out to his Abba, to give him strength to finish his race. He had to cry out to Abba to give him strength to bear the sins of the world. How am I going to do this, Abba? You're going to have to help me. He had to trust the Father to raise him from the dead once he had paid the ultimate price for our sins. He had to trust that the Father would give him the rewards of his suffering. What are those? That's you and me. That's why he did it. Mm. And so... He had to trust that the Father would raise him up so that he would receive the rewards of his suffering. I don't think we often think about the fact that Jesus had to learn to trust, you know, that he had to trust God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just like, that's not a thought that we wrestle with a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a part of his being human, was that he he did. He had to trust God that that God was going to be good for all his promises, that he was going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. And isn't that just... The same thing that we wrestle with. Yeah. And, and he was, he was, he fully shared in flesh and blood. He had complete DNA, human DNA. And with all the weaknesses and, and the, the foibles, he was sinless, 
but he was he was weak mm-hmm. and he didn't draw on his you know divine power all the time oh it's i'm having a hard time i'm just going to draw from that divine power right 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 he lived out the human life in complete dependence on the father that was part of you know adam didn't get it right adam didn't depend on the father and jesus is the second adam and he, as a human being, he trusted God every moment of his life. I think so often our emotions get us into trouble and to realize that he was fully human, that he had good days. He had bad days emotionally. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He had days when he, where he definitely felt sad. And sometimes our feelings are like we can't identify where it's coming from. We've got a feeling. We don't know why. We feel what we're feeling. At least I don't always identify where it's coming from. I've got a feeling I don't know where it's coming from, but it's there. And then it can influence my conversations. It can influence my choices. Jesus had all the feelings, but they were all surrendered to this trust relationship with the Father. So his feelings never led him to sin. And and that's why I love the series, The, the Chosen, Dallas Jenkins, The Chosen, because it shows it shows Jesus' humanity mm-hmm. so well. Yeah. And it also shows, you know, his divinity, uh, particularly because he knew his mission. Mm-hmm. He knew who he was. He knew he had so much time to do his mission. He knew that evil couldn't touch him, you know, in terms of taking him out until the perfect time. But it really does show his humanness in a beautiful way. And I just highly, highly, highly recommend it. You've yeah, watched some so of it. So good. I've seen season one and season two, but I haven't seen any of the episodes in season three yet. Okay. We're actually waiting until my husband, my son, and I can all be together and watch it at the same time. And we've got like opposite schedules. So urgh. I want to well, see him though. There you go. A chance to learn patience as well. You know, we too suffer and are tempted. We've got a race to run and it gets hard. Life is hard. There are hard moments in life. We need to cry out to Abba for strength on this journey. Do you need strength? Cry out to Abba. We need to ask him for the strength to not be overwhelmed by our sins. I feel that sometimes. The strength not to be overwhelmed, but to trust we are forgiven. Mm. We need to call on Abba for strength to trust that he will never kick us out of his family. You know, are you having a hard time believing? Lord, help me believe. I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. And we need to trust that when we close our eyes in death, our spirits will be made perfect and we'll see Jesus face to face. And that on the final day, he will raise us up from our graves. Our whole lives, really, we are completely desperately dependent on the Lord Mm -hmm. to come through for us. And so how are you doing in the race? Have you hit the wall? I feel that, man. I feel that. Listen to this promise. Because Jesus suffered as a human being, he is able to help those who are suffering. Well, if you're in the Jesus journey, you know this. God is so holy and I'm so sinful. It's true. But should that be my moment-by-moment focus each day? That's my question. Think about it. Should that be my moment-by-moment focus? God is so holy, and I'm so sinful. Hebrews 3.1 says, Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. 
This is a command. It seems to me this is a command to be grace focused, mm-hmm. to be focused on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says that Jesus is our apostle and high priest. He's our apostle, which means messenger, and his message is, you are completely forgiven through faith in me. And Jesus is our high priest. A priest gets us to God. And Jesus is the only way to get to God through his sacrifice. And so, you know, just for me, usually I am hyper aware of my sinfulness and my faults and my failures. And so for me to live in, I'm talking about living in this mentality, God is so holy and I'm so sinful. You know, it just, for me, it could easily turn into self-hatred and just beating myself up and just not living in the freedom that there is in Jesus. Now, my pride needs to hear that. You know, that's certainly a part of the message of the Bible because I do have pride and I need to see that and I need to see my sin, but it should always move me to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ because I don't think we're meant to live in that statement. Mm-hmm. Am I off here? No, not at all. It makes me think of... Um John eight thirty one and 32, it says, you know, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you truly are my disciples. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. And the truth is Jesus, you know, he, the, the priest that you're talking about, the messenger, the truth is, you know, who he says we are, what he's done for us is the truth. And so the more we focus on the truth, and I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what, I'm going to. I'm going to really dwell today on how badly I've done, you know, and how I've really messed up and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't intend that, you know, but those thoughts can sneak up on us. And then it's kind of just a matter of what are you going to do when they do, you know, because we can entertain that thought. We can hang out in that space. We can dive deeper into how we've disappointed God and all of those things. Or we can shift our focus, right? And say, I'm what I'm going to be intentional about is Jesus and the truth. Yeah. And I think my hypothesis is that most sincere followers of Jesus, you know, who really, who really are pressing into a relationship with God, that it's easy for us to, to just stop right there, that God is holy and I'm so sinful. And we do end up taking a truth that is needed and beating ourselves up with it when that truth should lead us to, mm. oh, Jesus, there's Jesus. You know, he's the relief for my, for my conscience, my conscience that's beating myself up. And so I just see this as a command to focus on grace for today, mm-hmm. you know, to fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess, because he's the solution, he's the savior, he's the rescuer, He's the one who has made us clean and is making us clean. And so I just need to, I need to live from that in my life today. So the, uh, just a few minutes ago, Perry, you were talking about how you're hyper aware of your sins. And I think there's a ditch on the other side of the road where we're just so... Cavalier. Yeah. You know, we're comfortable sure. with our choices and our life. And we're like, you know what? It's all grace. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And we 
we don't rightly see our sin. And I came across this quote the other day that kind of caught my attention. I want to chat about it a little bit. It was this, there can be no peace between you and Christ while there is peace between you and sin. So if you want to grow, if you're wanting to grow in your relationship with God, if you're wanting to be led by his spirit and you're sinning against God knowingly and you're okay with it, it's kind of like having one foot on the gas and having the other foot on the brake at the same time. You're just spinning your wheels, right? We can't surrender our will to God and demand our own way at the same time. It's futile. And Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I love this prayer because it's like we, you know, if you look at the Old Testament, you're going to see that there are sacrifices that needed to be made for sins you committed. And there were also sacrifices that you made for sins you didn't know you committed. And so sometimes, sometimes we're so comfortable with it that we continue in our sin and we just trust God's grace to cover us. And then other times we are so in the culture that we live in that we're not even aware that we're sinning that there's something that's a part of our lifestyle and we just, we don't even have the eyes to see that it's not God's will for us or that we're offending him in doing it. And that part of me that defaults to, you know, being overly focused on my sin, that part of me wants to talk to the person who thinks, oh, what I'm going through right now, the hard thing I'm going through right now is because of some sin in my life, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what sin it is. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a danger too. And, but just the other day, just yesterday, you know, I've been going through some stuff, just, just wrestling through some stuff in my thoughts and, and just some pain, I guess some pain that I've accumulated in my life. And I read that passage about, you know, God disciplines those he loves, that hardship is discipline. And I thought, oh, okay, this is, God is working in me. It's not that there's necessarily sin in my heart. There's unbelief in my heart. There's a lack of trust in my heart. There's hurt and pain in my heart. And when we go through hardships, God is lovingly healing us and making us more like him. So it's a little bit different twist on what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I I definitely get that I can be cavalier toward my sin 100%. And I need to know that God is not mocked. Mm-hmm. God is not mocked. But I guess a little, I guess a little pastoral nuance here is is what I'm bringing to this. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, okay. So I'm going to tell you a quick little story. Um, when my kids were little, I had one child that would come to me, mom, mom, mom. You know, he did da 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 da, and I'm like okay, did you talk it out with him? Did you use your words? Did you discuss it? Or did you just come to me? Well, I just came to you. Did it? Okay, you need to be able to advocate for yourself. You, get, you need to not come running to mama every time something goes down. And here's how you could have handled that situation, right? That's child A. <laughs> and then child B, I just hear a pop, cry. <laughs> and I go running over there. <laughs> what is going on? She made me mad and popped her in the face. <laughs> and I'm like, hang on, I'm here for a reason. You can come to me. I'm your mom. I'm here to help navigate things, right? So it feels like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I'm telling one child, don't come running to your mother. Try to handle this on your own. And I'm telling the other child, 
listen, you don't have to solve this on your own. You can come to me. And they're both true. They're both true. It's just that one needed to hear one message and the other needed to hear the other. And so what I hear you saying is, yeah, for the person who's guilt ridden and just like, ah, oh, Lord, what have I done? You mm-hmm. know, th- this feels like weight, you mm-hmm. know, but there, there's also a place where we just become too comfortable with things that are offensive to God and, and we lose our sensitivity to what he would have for us. Yeah. And think of Romans 12 too. First few verses in Romans 12, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. The world is squeezing us and we often don't realize it, that we're just kind of flowing down the cultural stream. We're getting squeezed. We're getting, you know, thrown in that river. We're in that river. We don't realize we're in that river and we need to see it. Lord, search me, search me. Yeah. I mean, it could be gossip. You know what? People talk. It's just a thing. you know, don't worry about it. It could be um, living together outside of marriage. You know Mm -hmm. what? That's the cultural norm. Very accepted. Very accepted. That's what we do. That's just, you know, that's just how the world is today. There's a million of them that we're comfortable with. It could be, you know, the the little white lies that we tell, oh, I'm sorry I was late. It was, you know, it's because of the rain. Really? Was, were you late because of the rain or were you late because you didn't leave on time? What about you know going, what I mean? What about going five miles over the speed limit? <laughs> oh, come on. No, that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's just the point, right? We all have things that we are comfortable with. The yeah. question is to get honest with God, you know, to sit with the Lord in his presence and say, if there's something that's going on in my life right now that you're not happy with, will you please show me in your kindness, in your grace, in your love for me? Will you make me aware of it? And then I, I can't help but think of First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the good, the good God that we serve. So if you feel like you're spinning your wheels right now, just have a conversation with the Lord. Get honest with him and he will lead you on the right path. He'll lead you on a path that leads to life. Can we talk about the Bible a little bit? Yeah, we do that here. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Mm -hmm. The Bible is a wild book. I mean, I'm telling you, it is full of stories. It's full of wisdom and promises and prophecies, but it's all about Jesus. And every time we read it, we should be asking the question, what does this say about God? Because there's something for us to grab hold of about his character and who he is every single time we read scripture. And the more we read the Bible, the better we understand who God is in his fullness. We learn about his character. We come to know him, you know, by reading his word. It's God's word, God's words, God's thoughts, God's feelings, God's plans. And we see over and over again that God is loving and that he's good and that people constantly want to call the shots in their lives and do their own thing and sin against God and God is constantly merciful and kind and saving mankind, once again, bringing about good. And there are stories in the Bible that can be really, really difficult to understand. And they leave us with more questions than they do answers. And that's why, import, that's why it's important that we keep reading and we don't stop and we don't fixate on that one story, but that we read the whole Bible and not just parts of it. Because so often the questions that arise in one book will get answered in another. 
if we just keep going, we just keep reading. So I think a lot of times we'll grab just certain verses. Maybe you do a devotional and it'll say, you know, look up this verse and look up that verse. And we just might kind of um, pick one here and pick one there. But we don't know the full text. We don't have any context for the story, if you will. Have you ever walked into a room? This happened to me so many times last week with Ben in particular, Ben and Jack. But you walk into the room and they're in the middle of a conversation and you just hear the last sentence and you have no idea what the context is for the whole conversation. And what you hear is like disturbing. <laughs> like, What are you guys talking about? Because you, it's pulled out of context. You don't have the whole story. You weren't there for the whole conversation. That's kind of what it's like. If we just grab one verse or just two verses and we pull them out, or if we just read the New Testament and we never read the Old Testament, there's something way bigger going on, but without the context, it just gets confusing. Well, for example, like Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, it's a beautiful passage. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. It is true. But the context of that is that is that God's people have been driven out of their land because of their sins. They're in exile. They're in Babylon. And Jeremiah is saying, you're going to have to be in Babylon 70 years. And then I'm going to bring you back to the land. At the beginning of the 70 years, he says, so that they don't lose hope. Mm-hmm. I know the plans I have for you. Mm-hmm. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And, you know, their future was, yeah, we're going to get it back to the land. But also there's other prophets, even Jeremiah, talking about this Messiah that's going to come. So, you know, I I try to know the story of the Bible and mm-hmm. how that fits. Now, the application for me is that God has good plans for me. Yeah. You know, today he does. But I think, you know, that passage more, I guess, perfectly applied is that the best is yet to come. No matter what happens right. in my life to the end of my life here on earth, the best is yet to come. Right. Yeah. I mean, you get, when you take a verse like that, you just pluck out a verse like that and, you know, maybe you're dealing with a recent diagnosis and you're like, but I know the plans God has for me, plans to prosper me, not to harm me. My diagnosis is going to go away and I'm going to live long and have lots of grandchildren and great grandchildren. And you know what I mean? We kind of spin it. Yeah. Now God could do that. But that page, that passage doesn't say that that's what God's going to do. Yeah. So the point is, it's understanding Scripture in its entirety that gives us the full context of who God is. And the more we read, not just, I'm not talking about just being in the Bible on a regular basis. I'm talking about taking in the whole thing, you know, not just, I love Romans, I could just hang out in Romans and just repeat, you know, read it from beginning to finish and then start over and read it from beginning to finish. But there'd be so much that I would be missing in the greater story. There'd be there'd be things that I'm missing about God's character if I only read Romans and I didn't read the whole Bible. So I was chatting with my daughter yesterday and she said that someone had once told her if you read four chapters a day and you read five on Sunday, that you'd read the whole Bible in a year's time. And it would probably take you about 20 minutes a day. Think about it, 20 minutes a day, and you can read the entire Bible in one year. If you're not a big reader, no problem. There are so many ways right now to listen to Scripture being read to you absolutely for free. There's the YouVersion app, which is you know probably the most 
popular or most frequently used Bible app. It's totally free, and you can get different versions of the Bible, and not all of them have an audio, but a lot of them have an audio, and you can have Scripture read to you. I actually was lent my Bible to um, a friend who was sitting next to me on Sunday morning, and so I was using my phone, and I accidentally turned down the audio Bible during the message. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was that girl, right? I was like, Way to Sorry. go. <laughs> yeah, I know. But there are ways to get into Scripture and to be creative, even if you know reading is is hard for you. Maybe that's just something you don't enjoy doing or you just struggle with reading. You can listen to it and learn you know, in an auditory way. But God wants you to know him, not just some of him, not just little parts of him, not what other people think of him. He wants to reveal his character to you through his word, scripture, the Bible. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm going to read through the Bible this year. I'm starting late and it was like a January 1 to December 31 thing. I don't care. <laughs> it's January 17 and I'm going to start today. So yeah. I just encourage you to join me. And there's this incredible reading plan. It's called the Bible Recap. It's really, really good. It's Tara Lee Cobble and lots of ways to learn from her. But anyway, she you can just print off a PDF of the reading plan so you know what to read every single day. And she's going to go through it chronologically. That's what I'm doing. If you want to join me, if you want some more information on that plan, just text us 616-772-7300. 616-772-7300. Let's get into God's Word. Let's know Him. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.